What is going on, guys? This is the Triple Thrift Podcast, and this is Joey Vada Bing 22. Welcome them on, you guys. We have to restart. Can we restart? <laughs> no. We're, we're gonna... <laughs> I'm sorry, guys, but look, this is the season one, episode six. Welcoming, I can't say that word. Welcoming <laughs> you guys on in with a special podcast here, episode six. I'm super excited. I'm here with my best friends, Josh and Drew. And we're going to talk a little bit about reselling and maybe a little bit about YouTube and a little bit about everything, I guess. Right, guys? Right. And um, I'm super excited. Josh said, Josh said right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I sold a lot of things this week, and it's because I listed a lot. To me, it's a lot. Maybe not to Drew or maybe Josh, but I definitely listed a lot, and I feel a lot better um, listing now. I don't know what it is. Like, I think it was the, the election that happened and I was just so drained from that. And now like I'm getting sales left and right. I'm just like, let me list more, dude. I like the, I like seeing the, my eBay account go up, man. It's, it's pretty cool. I really like it. All right. All right. I need to know how many things did you list to consider it a good listing week? And well, then we compare it to my number and then compare both of our numbers to Drew's numbers. <laughs> well, it's probably not as good as you guys probably would see it for yourself but i mean i sold like 15 things this week and i usually sell like one thing a day really or maybe two but i sold like 15 things and it's it's been awesome like i had some really good sales this weekend and this week so including including the week 15 things yeah well it's all all 15 things yeah but that's that's good if you doubled your sales if you're averaging one sale a day you basically doubled your sales that's incredible yeah so based on based on your numbers that's really solid i i I think it is i mean the thing is like i bought this dymo printer for myself and i just i just didn't like it i don't know what it was i just i don't know i just didn't really like it i want to buy a rollo and um, i bought it on facebook marketplace for eighty dollars and I just sold it for $199.99, baby. Let's go. So I went nuts and I'm going to go buy a Rolo now. So I'm pretty excited. Didn't Josh give away a Rolo? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I've given away a, cu- a couple Rolos, right? I've tried, dude. It's so hard to give away stuff on YouTube. Like people, like you make a video and it's like comment on the video to enter. And my videos will get like, you know, two or 3000 comments and then a couple contest tests to go. I pick three winners because it happens so often that the first winner, like the, if I picked one, they would never respond. They wouldn't see my reply to their comment. They wouldn't listen to the video where I called their name and they would never contact me. So I pick three winners just to have like a backup for my backup. And none of them, I, I went back through all three of them and like responded to their comments on the video and called their names in, in future videos and they never picked the prize. So that, I, that one was a Dymo 4XL giveaway and That's I crazy. just ended up selling it. <laughs> and then I used that money to buy a Rolo and then I gave that Rolo away. So I think, I think it's interesting with YouTube because I've seen other people do giveaways, like for example, Rally Roots or other people like that. And I think that some people, like even if you put in the title, like, giveaway winner announced watch the video or something like people watch the video and it's like obviously you can't make a 30 second video just announcing the winner so you like go thrifting or you share what sold over the weekend and then you announce the winner you know Mm -hmm. and and typically 
people would skip to the end just to see who the winner was to see if it was them. But you didn't put it directly at the end because you want people to actually watch the video. And yeah. I actually did one of those where I did a giveaway on Instagram and I announced the winner on YouTube to try to get some of my followers to go watch the video to get the video some more views, like strategically kind of. And, um, you know, to bring to kind of try to connect my Instagram and my YouTube a little bit more. And I said, you know, hey, go watch the video. YouTube win or Instagram giveaway winner is announced in my video. And it was only a four or five minute video. I kept it really short. Um, but like I'd say if the video was five minutes long, it was probably at the four minute mark. So it wasn't right at the end. And the guy who won never contacted me. And um, it's just kind of one of those things where I think people scroll all the way to the end, expecting the winner to be announced. They don't find it. And then they click out because they don't want to watch a whole video. But who is actually watching the videos then if the people who watch the video to enter aren't watching it? You know what I mean? It's kind of a conundrum. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. But when you think about it, like how many of those people, how many winners could you have gone through before you found one that actually watched your video to listen for yeah. the winner and be like, oh, I won, you know? That's why I really like when, if I have a contest and I pick a random winner and it ends up being someone that I know, like that time we did, you guys came to visit me and we did the live video mm -hmm. and uh, we gave away like the mystery box or whatever. And it was gorgeous. Yeah. And I was so excited because I know her and I know I'm friends with her on Instagram. I can message her and be like, hey, you won, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> give me your address. So I don't I don't know, like all three of those winners are just random people I've never seen before in my comments. So I don't know. It's kind of weird, like when you do giveaways and you just get all these comments from all these people that have never commented before i'm yeah. like oh you're just here for the prize but then they win and they they, they don't, don't even the know because they don't yeah. watch any other of my videos yeah but uh, anyway we i digress from the giveaways um joey you were telling us about your sales are you you want to share was the dymo your most expensive sale of the week yeah that was definitely my most expensive sale of the week but um Sweet. i also picked up a a um it's a guitar hero it's like for the PlayStation three and it came with a dongle and uh, a video game and the strap. I bought it all for $25. I haven't listed it yet. I just got it yesterday, uh, last night off a of Facebook marketplace deal. And I'm really yeah, excited to put it on there because the dongles worth like 50 bucks free shipping, mm -hmm. you know? So I just got super excited when I saw that dongle, I was like, yeah, baby, let's go. So, um, I brought it home and I just, I have to list it and I can't wait to list it because it's probably going to insta sell. So, excited about Spe that speaking of guitar hero you guys that follow me on instagram and youtube know how much i love rock band and guitar hero stuff today i picked up three guitars in an xbox 360 drum set on facebook marketplace someone had it listed for free and i caught the listing within four minutes of it being listed uh and then i posted on my instagram story when it was at six minutes but i messaged the guy and i got too impatient and he didn't respond in like the first two minutes so I sent him an offer through Facebook for 20 bucks for it. And then that got his attention and he accepted it. So I didn't end up getting it for free, but I wanted to seal the deal because one of the guitars is the, um, the white Fender guitar. Um, mm -hmm. And that one on the Xbox 360 alone is like a $70, $80 guitar. So I know I can make crazy amounts of money on it. But uh, so I picked that up today. And then literally, I kid you not... Uh, I just told Joey and Josh literally 10 seconds before we clicked live, I just sold another rock band set on Mercari for $284 uh, free, sh free shipping. And I think, I think that one I have like 
zero dollars invested technically because it was also a bundle i picked up with an xbox 360 and i already mm-hmm. sold the xbox 360 for more than what i paid for everything which i think was 120 dollars um actually it was from one of my videos with joey we were in walmart going to fedex and i dropped off an xbox 360 that i sold and i said in the video i purchased this with a rock band bundle and um the xbox will pay for the investment and then the rock band bundle will be all profit and then sure enough, I just sold the Rock Band bundle on Mercari for $284. So in my eyes, it's all profit. So yeah, I love Guitar Hero and Rock Band. That's awesome. That's why you're called the Profit Monster, baby. That's right. I've got a I've got a drum set sitting on my death pile shelf uh, that's been there for a couple months and probably not gonna be listed anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> when, I bought when it in a video. When I was in South Carolina visiting you with Joey, I bought two Guitar Hero guitars from you that were in yeah. your pile. Dude, I've still got, I, I have the drum set and I think I have seven guitars that I have not listed yet. None of them are for Xbox 360. I, I like those because those sell really fast, but the, the PS3, I think they're all, all the ones I have are for PS3 and Nintendo Wii. And um, I, I don't have any dongles, so I don't know. I mean, they still sell, but... Uh, I've just got to clean them. And a, a lot of them, a problem I found with the Guitar Hero guitars are that like the rubber coating on the the clicker thing, like the strum thing. Mm-hmm. After a certain amount of years, it gets this like sticky residue on it. That's yeah. what's on and mine. Just, That's what's on it's mine. It's so right hard to clean off. Really? I thought it was going to be easy. <laughs> no, I, I, it's not yeah. like residue. It's like the plastic coating is like yeah. just wearing away. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you- that's, that's a tough one to figure out. I usually use... Um, uh, rubbing alcohol, isopropyl alcohol, um, and a baby wipe. And it seems to work pretty well for me. I had, um, I had a couple pretty bad ones and some of them are like almost past the point of no return where you can also, you can also use goo gone, um, Mm -hmm. and a cotton ball. And that works pretty well too. Um, you just have to be patient with it. Um, but either isopropyl alcohol or goo gone both work pretty well. So there's a little pro tip for you. It's okay. It'll be still sitting in his death pile once we probably go back there one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, if Josh would hire me to list his death pile and make a YouTube video about it, I'd clean him for him. I know, man. I just it's it's just such a struggle. Like we were talking about with I guess it was the last episode, like the balance between YouTube and reselling. And um I don't know, like I just have so much fun making videos and it's just going really well. And so like tomorrow I'm like, okay, I've got I think like twelve or thirteen things I need to get packed and shipped out. I've got to edit this podcast to release it tomorrow. I've got to finish filming a, a video from Friday that I started that I didn't finish. Then I'm doing a, a live video with um, Brittany from Essential Endeavor. She's going to be on my channel tomorrow night. Um, and I, I'm just like packed up for the whole day. I'm like, I could I could probably list five or six things, but I don't know. I did list, I, I think I listed like six or seven things tonight. Um, three things that I got at that, that crazy Casboy store. I went back Friday. That was my Friday video. Um, I bought 20, 24 things for seven bucks a piece. And I've already sold three of them. Nice. That's uh, great. I don't want to get in too much of a detail. Uh, one sale I had today was pretty cool. It's, um, I got it at dream deals. So not crazy cats boys, but the other Amazon store. And it's one of those cassette adapters that you like, it's like for the little baby VHS tapes and you yeah, put yeah, those yeah. in in that and then it turns into a regular size VHS tape. Mm-hmm. Those were pretty common. Like the very first camera I ever got to make skateboarding videos when I was like 15 years old, yep. it was that. And I had one and I feel like stuff like that 
are items that people have in their house, like in their drawer, in their attic. Um, and I'm just waiting for them to donate. Cause I got this one at dream deals on dollar day. So it was only a dollar and it sold for 45 bucks today. Free shipping. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are great. Um, those are one of the things I love looking for at garage sales, like Sony mm-hmm. handy cams, which is another, uh, handy cam I bought from you when I was in South Carolina. Cause you didn't have the charger for it or something. Yeah. Um, and I already Whatever happened it. with that. Yeah. I already sold it, but, um, <laughs> um everything, I, everything I bought from you is already sold. So, uh, but, um, yeah, that stuff is like one of my favorite things to find at garage sales because people like, it's amazing how like some people think it's just complete trash. Like the guitar hero, the rock band said I picked up today, some guy mm-hmm. literally posted it for free on Facebook marketplace. Cause he was cleaning out his garage. And he, when he, when I got there, he was just so happy that I got it out of his garage. And like, some people know the value of stuff and, you know, but then you have the other side, the buyer side of people who want to relive their memories through a Sony Handycam because they have the tapes for it, you know, so they pay $200 for this camera so they can watch their, you know, home movies or whatever they do with them. And then yeah. uh, there's other people that are like, this thing's been sitting in my, you know, computer cabinet for 25 years. Give me a dollar for it. And I just want it out of my, my house. Yeah. So you know, that's, that's the amazing part of being a reseller is like, when you look at it from that perspective, you, yes, making profit is great. And that's like an amazing part of one of the main reasons everybody goes into reselling. But when you think about it and the actual like connectivity that you're making, like you're pairing something, someone with something that someone else was wanting to get rid of so badly that they were basically asking you to take it off their hands for next to nothing. And then you can pair it with someone who desperately or very much needs it or wants it. You're actually like almost like a, I guess you could say like a mailman of sorts, you know, as a reseller, because you're like delivering something to somebody who really wants it and you're finding that product. And that's essentially why, you know, I feel like as a reseller making profit, no matter what the amount is, 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 um, justified, you know, because there's a lot of, um, people out there that say like, oh, resellers are scammers. They are just profiting on the poor. They should keep it at goodwill, blah, blah, blah. You know, but realistically, like you're actually doing work by bringing a buyer and a seller together and you're pretty much just acting as the middleman. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, we're doing to kick in with the mailman comment. No, I was about to say something, but he kept talking. Um, not in a bad way, Drew. <laughs> Um, I thought you were going to finish your sentence. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of like being the mailman in that situation. I, you know, I would see it as a different way, but I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. We all, we all have those people who get mad at us for selling things. Like, I can't believe we'd sell you shoes for $50. I'm like, you can't make somebody buy something that they're not willing to pay for. You know, I'm not, I'm not holding a gun to somebody's head and making them pay $50 for their shoes. They're paying this because they value them at $50. It may be a a rare, like I sold a pair of DC skate shoes um, that when I looked up sold comps, there was one in like a a blue colorway. I had like an orange one, the blue one sold for like 130. So I listed my orange and I couldn't find a sold comp for the orange. Um, and so I just listed it for like 75 bucks, I think. And somebody sent me an offer of 70, like two weeks after I listed it and I accepted. And I paid six bucks for them at Salvation Army. Um, I would not pay $70 for those shoes, but 
what I value at $70 is may not be worth $70 to someone else and vice versa. Um, it's not my job to determine value of items uh, that like the market does that. Like if there's yeah. demand for items, the, the price is going to be what the price is going to be. You know, people got mad at Drew for flipping a PS5, but I would never pay $975 or whatever that guy paid for a PS5. I, I wouldn't even pay retail for a PS5 right now because that's not something I'm interested in. But right. to that guy, it was worth $975. You know how I know that? Because he paid $975 for it. <laughs> Right. Well, it's, I don't the same, know. it's the same thing as like, for example, with the GoPro that you bought, Josh, like you were willing to go to the store and buy a brand new GoPro instead of going on eBay and buying one, trying to buy one cheaper or wait, find a used one on Facebook Marketplace or something. Now, given their circumstances of, you know, some people like new stuff just because they are in a financial place where it's not a burden to them. They don't feel like negotiating with people. They just want it brand new in the box. So they know they're not going to have problems with it, you know, but like something along those lines interested you, you know, interested you for the reasons of making better content for your YouTube channel. Um, the GoPro is something that excites you or whatever. So you pay for it, you know, and mm. when it comes to being a reseller, just in general, I think that everybody needs to kind of keep that mentality of, you know, understanding that this business is partial supply and demand. But like Josh said, nobody is forcing anybody to pay for anything. You know, I know that that kind of sounds, I don't know if convoluted is the right word, but anything on my eBay store, I'm not shoving a gun down someone's throat and saying, buy my rock band set for $284. You know, I would have accepted probably a $240 to $250 offer on it, but someone just paid me my full asking price on Mercari tonight. You know, I would have probably been negotiable on it, but the fact that yeah. somebody wanted it, they went to my store or they typed in on Mercari rock band xbox 360 or whatever they searched found mine and said this is exactly what i want i'm going to purchase it before somebody else gets it so my favorite thing is when people are like why would you pay 284 for that you can just go to a thrift store and buy it for 10 bucks i'm like not really i mean yeah go like, find it <laughs> yeah like especially the xbox 360 ones like those are i don't think i've ever found a rock band a whole rock band kit for 360 usually they're for ps3 or Wii. like they're not as plentiful as people realize like oh use shoes a used shirt you're like i sold a pair of used cargo shorts one time like polo ralph lauren for a hundred dollars i got them at the bins for like 50 cents and people were like why would somebody spend that much money i'm like i don't know like that's not my problem i just looked at the shorts i thought I grabbed them thought they were valuable looked up to see you just have to find the market for their item there's somebody out there thinks they're valuable um, you know, according to the sold comps that, that I found yeah, a few times, I listed exactly. them and they sold. Exactly. So, you know, and, the, and the whole argument about, well, you could just go to a thrift store and find that. Like, no, I thrift three to five days a week. And that's the only pair of those shorts I've ever found. And it's been going like that for two or three years now, you know? So they're not as, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing in, in any category. You know, you look at shoes, you know, like Joey likes, for example, his, uh, what are, are they Nike SBs or the Janoskis? Like he likes a certain brand of shoe, you mm -hmm. know? So whether he finds them at a thrift store or not, if there's a certain colorway he wants to match his New York jets shirt, you know, or, <laughs> or whatever, you know, Joey's going to pay for those because those are the types of shoes he likes to wear. Now it would be amazing. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joey, but it'd be amazing if you found him at a thrift store, but you're more likely to pay up for them because that's the shoe you wear just like, yeah somebody will pay up for some Hoka One Ones that are used because they're $149 to $200 brand new. 
So $80 for a pair of used Hoka's is actually a steal of a deal, you know? So and it saves time. Like if you want to go around for two or three days and hit 20 thrift stores a day looking for a pair of used Hoka's in your size and in the color where you want for 10 bucks, you might find them. But you could save two to three days of your time and just go to Drew's eBay store and buy them <laughs> and have them sent to your house in three days. Yeah, yeah. Like for me, like like for me, like how you're saying about my Janowskis that I love, like I have like 10 pairs of Janowskis, all different colors. And you're very right. I would literally go on eBay and check if they have my size because I'm a size 13. So it's it's more expensive to buy like the the higher size uh, shoes for me. I see um, like tens or elevens or like nines or they're like more on like the lower side. But like for me, like size 13 is always a higher higher price. And if I ever found a pair of Janowskis at Goodwill or a thrift store or a garage sale, I would go crazy because those are my favorite shoes, you know, and I would definitely I would pay not top dollar. I would probably negotiate because I'm a reseller, you know, but I'm not going to pay more than seven dollars. <laughs> right. <laughs> the point is that you're more inclined to buy them because that's what you want. Right. And it's it's more of a want, you know, if exactly. If, if you if you really want something, you're going to do anything to get it. You know, money doesn't mean anything then. You know what I mean? But then you look mm-hmm. at like something now and it's just like, do I really need that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm a reseller. It's crazy. Well, and Dave Ramsey talks about that. If you guys are familiar with who he is um, and his business model on, you know, Financial Peace University and how to get debt free and stuff. One of his biggest things in his course is need versus want. You know, do you need it or do you want it? You know, and I, I joke with my wife all the time because she sends me, you know, things on on Instagram of, you know, cute shirts that have like baby Yoda on them or something. And, you know, the joke in our marriage is always, is it a need or a want? And she always says a need, you know, even though it's normally a want. <laughs> uh, and I normally cave and, and, and let her get it or whatever, because it's mostly very inexpensive. And, you know, she's she's amazing. She deserves it. But um it's just really funny because so many people are trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, the, for example, the Nike center swoosh Travis Scott hoodie or whatever, I guess he wore it in a music video or he wore it with Kim Kardashian or Chloe. I don't know whoever those people are, you know, he <laughs> wore it with one of them. And now everybody that's anybody that is like in the hip urban streetwear wants a center swoosh quote unquote, Travis Scott hoodie. And they're selling for like $150 to $200 in any colorway, you know, and it's hmm. not really a, a want for people. It's become a need because they want to feel cool, you know, but that's yeah. what keeps us in business is those people that are willing to pay for things and, you know, not to reiterate it, but I'm not going to complain about the fact that people are willing to pay for things because that's what keeps the the engine of my business running is the supply and demand of what people determine is a need or a want in their life and that's why you can't get offended by offers because some people don't need it but they would like to have it so they send it out they send out an offer hoping that you'll accept it and sometimes things work out sometimes you counter offer but most of the time the way i think about it is somebody who sends out an offer is not somebody who needs it it's somebody who wants it and hopes if they can get a good enough deal on it that it would be worth it for them to buy. Always counter offer, never decline. Yeah, um, I, I was talking. Do you guys know Blake Knobloch? Yes, he's okay. awesome. So I, was, I love him. 
yeah, he's he's like such a interesting guy to talk to. Like he has such a just a profound mind when it yes. comes to reselling yes, it's and his life. It's a great way to say it. Yeah, he. Uh, we were talking about like thrift store prices and like the future of reselling, basically, uh, just like on Instagram, like voice messages. And um, he was talking about VCRs. He's like, dude, you know, I was selling thousands and thousands of VCRs back in like 2015, you know, 2000, early 2016, before they really got onto the the radar of resellers. Um, and then people start making YouTube videos. And now everybody knows that, you know, VCRs, the right models are something you should look out for. And he's like, I saw it in my thrift stores. Like I was buying VCRs for five bucks a piece, selling them on Amazon for a hundred, 200, $300 each making a killing. And then as thrift stores got wise to like VCR prices, they all started going up to 15 bucks a piece. And he's like, what happened? We as resellers stopped buying VCRs at thrift stores that were charging 15 bucks a piece. He's like, it lasted about a year. Thrift stores just got inundated with VCRs. Nobody wanted to buy them at that price. So now they're back down to $5 each. He's like, they, they saw that the demand in the market was increasing, but there's only a certain price people are willing to pay. I feel like you're getting into like an economics lesson here. Like at the demand for, especially if you're buying to resell, like, you know, if I see a Nintendo switch, um, you know, back six, eight months ago, any Nintendo Switch, I'm buying it because you can make 150, 200 bucks easy, you know, instantly. But then I went to Walmart last week and they had, they had like three or four of the Animal Crossing ones. They had like two or three regular ones. They had like 20 of the Switch lights, and I didn't buy any of them because there's not the, the margins aren't there anymore. Yeah. Um, so it's it's all about timing in the market. And as a as a reseller, you know, that's why I'm not really worried about thrift store prices because they might go up, but then. If we as resellers just collectively agree to not pay prices that are going to you know, cut our margins by 80%, then they'll eventually go back down because I'm convinced that resellers are one of the only people who are going to thrift stores and buying electronics like that. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. You know, you have to be as a reseller, you have to be extremely strategic these days, which is one thing I try to talk about on my YouTube channel a lot when people, you know, ask me or people ask me on Instagram you know, like, how do you find rock band sets for free on Facebook Marketplace? And I'm like, well, I don't find them for free on Facebook Marketplace, but I'm extremely strategic in my searching. You know, I don't, I, if I see one for $250, I don't just go out and buy it because I can flip it for $350. You know, I'm, I'm very strategic because my margins are very important to me, as well as my time and my space, you know, with my storage unit and stuff. But uh, I think it's very important for people to understand that, like what you were saying is, you know, you have to know those, those numbers for your business and it has to work for you. And there, there, there's very few people that are, I guess you could call what the, the haters out there call poor people that go to Goodwill to buy clothing because they need it. Uh, going to the electronic section going, yeah, I could use a VHS player today, you know? So, but for Dude, example, honestly, like I, I hear that all the time, like Goodwill is for poor people, but I cannot remember the last time I saw a poor person in Goodwill buying clothes for themselves. I agree. Like I, I, I would say most people that go to the bins, like the bins where I am has the same crowd all the time, the same people go. And usually they are, I don't like judging people, but based on like what they wear and how they act and you know, they're all talking about selling at the flea markets. So they don't have to pay income taxes on it. And the cars they drive that are real rep, you know, run down. They're not super wealthy people. I'm imagining. 
So they're buying stuff for themselves. I've seen people buy stuff there that they wear to the bins later, but they're all buying to resell. They're just reselling at the flea market. Right. Um, you know, at, at a lot of the bins, especially I see Steve pick and roll when he built uh, videos down at his bins, there's a lot of Hispanic crowd there, which typically those people are usually low income crowd. Um, and they're usually buying to resell. They're buying for themselves, but they're also buying to resell or send back to whatever country they want. Um, so I, I don't remember the last time I saw somebody in a thrift store specifically like buying clothes for them or their kids or something um, just because they were poor and that's all they could afford. How did people get to that situation where Goodwill is only for the homeless? Like, can I you think it's that? I think it's jealousy, honestly, because they see people. Well, one reason, but they see people like us living our best life, going to Goodwill and reselling pots and pans and shoes and being happy and they're miserable at their nine to five. So they need someone to be upset at, you know, this mm -hmm. isn't everybody obviously, but this is talking about the statistical people that we call haters on YouTube and stuff. Um, they're just jealous. There's no other reason for somebody to really think that somebody like me is going to walk into Goodwill, buy three shirts for a dollar 99 and that a poor person, you know, is missing out the opportunity to have the shirt that they wanted you know, mm -hmm. like what Josh was saying, I mean, even if that person walked in, let's just use that example, that person is not going in looking for a vintage Tampa Bay Buccaneers tie-dye print single stitch shirt that they can sell on Depop. They're looking for something that they can put on their back, mm -hmm. you know? And so that, that mentality, that thought process is so unrealistic, in my opinion, on any scale of thinking that with the hundreds of thousands of items that get donated to thrift stores and what those people don't even realize is like my goodwill in a pop which is two miles away from my house they don't even put video games uh out anymore at all i've never seen a video game in the last year because it all goes to shopgoodwill.com and yeah. the reason i know this is because i found a gamecube controller at my goodwill the other day and I went to the employee in the back and I said, hey, do you guys have any more video games you're putting out? I found this controller. And he said, no, we must have we must have missed, you know, must have mistagged that. It should have went to the table because we have a whole table in the back full of video games that go on Shop Goodwill. And he told me they don't even put out video games anymore. They're not allowed. That's not fair. I don't think that's fair at all. Does Salvation Army I mean, do that too? Well, the last, the last video game that I saw um, at a Goodwill was at a different Goodwill earlier this week, it was a Wii Fit board and a Nintendo Wii for $170. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was on my Instagram last week. Yeah, I saw that. It's insane. I mean, you know, Joey, Joey said it's not fair, but I mean, thinking about it from Goodwill, like if you're, if, if, if you have like a couple years where you, anytime you put out video games on the floor, they sell instantly. Like the first reseller walks in there, buys it. I don't really blame them. Cause I mean, they're, a business like they claim to be a charity nonprofit whatever but they're definitely a for-profit company and they're just trying to make the most money they can um so and th that's just why you know if you live in an area like that where a goodwill is doing that your best chance of finding video games is going to be at a garage sale or an estate sale it's not going to be at a goodwill and that's just something you have to adapt to depending on your geographic location as a reseller um lucky for me in south carolina most of my goodwills our Goodwills do advertise Shop Goodwill, but I've never looked on there. Um, yeah, I found like a vintage Atari at my Goodwill, like the Goodwill that has the banner for Shop Goodwill. I found an Atari there. So I don't know 
if they miss that or if they, I don't know. I don't find, I don't find video games all the time. Um, but I'll usually find like Wii's or, um, you know, basic stuff. I've never found anything incredibly vintage like a Genesis or Dreamcast or N64. Um, but I'm not sure. I, I certainly don't blame them. You know, they're just wanting to get top dollar as if I was the owner of Goodwill, I would probably also do that or the owner of a thrift store. You know, usually mom and pop thrift stores, like, I don't know if they're owned by older people, they tend to not want to do that. But if it's like a thrift store owned by like a young couple, I guarantee you they're cherry picking every single donation that comes in there. And they're just putting out the old, you know, grandma stuff for the thrift store. Like I've, I've never been to a thrift store owned by a young couple that had good stuff because they just either sell it on eBay or I don't know. They're just not putting that kind of stuff out on the floor for cheap, at least. See, like I feel like if I had a thrift store like that, I would want to put that out. I would want to put everything out and have mm-hmm. people like it's even with their pricing. You know, you see a pair of Nikes that, you know, you can buy from Payless and they're like twenty five dollars and they're marking them as twenty five dollars and brand new. Mm-hmm. You could buy them at Payless for twenty five and then you see, you know, on cloud shoes for five dollars, four ninety nine. It's like. How do you like price that? I just I think all shoes should be like how it is by you, Josh. Like every shoe yeah. you find is literally six fifty. Every time I hear Everything. you say that, um, it's six. I mean, because you gotta think these thrift store employees are basically minimum wage workers. Like you can train them, like hey, look for Nikes, look for this. But the, a, a minimum wage employee employee is going to care a minimum amount about that job, yeah. and generally, you know, um, so so they're not gonna try really hard to make sure every shoe gets through. And sometimes it's the exact opposite. I've seen employees just get pissed at Goodwill and they just start putting out really, really nice stuff for super cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, I went this one guy, um, he's not there anymore because obviously he got fired. <laughs> but I, I, I took, I took, I mean, I had a whole cart full of stuff, man, like 12 pairs of shoes, a Carhartt jacket, a VCR, like a blender, like everything. And he like scanned it all. And he's like, all right, it'll be 1150. I'm like, uh, are you sure? He's like, yep. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to like get him in trouble. I'm like, okay, I'll just, I'll just take it. But then yeah, I saw him one more time after that. And then he was fired. Wow. I guess he was doing it for everybody, but he was like, you know, 17, 18 years old. He was getting paid minimum wage. He didn't care. Right. Yeah. Con- considering, considering that goodwill is like a nationwide franchise, the one thing I don't understand is how, like Joey said, everybody is not priced similar, how each region is is different. And each store, like you could go to five different Goodwills in my area, which Joey's been to with me. One Goodwill by my house is $9.99 for shoes, standard. Another Goodwill is $14.99, standard. And then you can walk in another one and all shoes are $5.99. Or they, they don't know brands but they think they do. So like I got a pair of Nike dunks, dunk lows. Um, they were $5 and 99 cents. And then those air monarchs that, you know, <laughs> the dad shoe that I got, they were 1799. The air monarchs are like a $25 resale shoe. I bought them for myself cause they were my size, but they're a $25 resale shoe, maybe 30. The dunks are like a hundred to 150 and they priced them at six bucks. It just, yeah it never fails that there's no, that it just shows that there's one, there's really no um, training method that all the stores go through. It's kind of like just get hired and go in the back and 
price your stuff or watch yeah, someone else. Whatever you prices. It's so crazy because you can tell like who is pricing that day. I've found multiples of the same item before with different prices. And my Goodwills were like, yep, whatever the price is, that's what it is. Like, I, I think Haley and I went and we found some curtains for our living room, like a, like two two individual curtains in bags. And one was like four ninety seven, and one was twelve ninety seven. And they made us, they were exact same item and they made us pay four ninety seven for one and twelve ninety seven for the other. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's always different in my, in my areas. And I think it's also because Florida is like kind of overpopulated, I guess you could say with resellers right now, uh, which is something that everybody thinks, you know, oh, there's not enough inventory out there. I got into this discussion with somebody the other day. I won't go too far into it, but people who make excuses just to say, you know, there's not enough inventory out there. My areas are dry. My Facebook marketplace has nothing to source. You know, you live in a great area for that. If you came to Florida and you realized how many people in Orlando are resellers and how hard I have to fight for stuff on Facebook marketplace, you know, for every 50 people I message, I'm lucky if I get one or two of those things I message probably for the price I'm willing to pay for it, you know, but it's just all about putting in the work, you know, and um, it just amazes me how, you know, there's so much competition, but you can still find stuff, but you have to be willing to, you know, like Josh said, go to the thrift store three to five times a week or more. Some people mm-hmm. go multiple times a day to the same store just because they know when it's re- being restocked or they wait for a restock or, or whatever. I mean, that's how you win. You just, you just can't give up. And, um, you know, that kind of goes all the way back to what Josh was saying earlier about how he's been really enjoying making YouTube videos and he hasn't had much time to list. I'm like the complete opposite. I was actually kind of being a little down in the dumps to Joey the other day on the phone. Cause I'm like, man, I'm listing so much stuff right now. I just don't have time for YouTube. And, uh, Joey's just encouraging me. He's like, Drew, you got this man. Don't give up, you know, mm-hmm. just really being there for me. And, uh, it just felt good to be able to talk to him and, and vent about it. But you know, it's, it's just a hustle. It's a grind. You just can't ever give up and you got to stick with it. You got to do what you can and, you know, put effort into what's working for your business. And for me right now, like what happened with Joey listing is working for me. So obviously I'm going to keep doing that. And then the, the YouTube videos are going to come along with my successes and my failures, but I don't have time to make three YouTube videos a day, you know, or record that kind of stuff. I also don't have any equipment for it. So, that, and so that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like to be able to get to yeah, like you're, you're over 5,000 subscribers now, right? Correct. Yeah. To be able to get to over 5,000 subscribers just with using your cell phone to film and edit, that's a very, very good accomplishment because at some point I, I, I use my phone to, to film like my first, I don't know, 10, 10 to 20 videos or whatever. But at some point, like there's only so much you can do with a phone. Um, generally when you're like holding it out, like vlogging, like it's got a very tight field of view. Um, and it just, it, it looks like a phone, like it's decent, but it looks like a phone footage Uh, And for you to get to 5,000 subscribers just with using a phone. I think that's incredible. Um, I think, I think an upgrade in equipment for you, um, like hustle and hooks just got a new GoPro, um, and like the power director editing software. I think if you, if you experiment with an upgrade, like get a, get a GoPro and a GoPros are cheap ish, you know, like the hero seven black, it's like 250 bucks or whatever. It's what I have. It's all you need. You know, people ask me all the time. Oh, I see you have the Canon M 50. Do I need that? I'm like, no, like I enjoy it. It's a good camera, but you don't need it. You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just as, as you grow, 
And when you start on YouTube, as you grow, you can upgrade. And I think you are past due for an upgrade. I think you've put in the time and you've worked really hard to get to this, this point where you're at now. And I think an equipment upgrade is it equipment upgrade usually won't help anybody if you don't have the content, but you have the content. And I just, I think your phone filming is one thing that's holding you back right now. I think an equipment upgrade will really help you get over that next ledge. Oh, well, I appreciate that. And I don't disagree. I'm just, I'll, I'll, gonna... I'll give away a GoPro on my channel soon. I just give it to Drew. Can... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the I random have... winner is <laughs> profit monsters. <laughs> I... I have a GoPro Hero 5, but I've, I just get so frustrated with it because I tried doing those garage sale videos, you know, strapping it to my backpack and GoPro on my chest, whatever. And I, I tell you, I get to three garage sales and my camera battery dies. And I'm like, yeah. how are these people getting hours of footage when, you know, and I'm stopping it and starting it every time I get in and out of the car, you know, mm -hmm. and then obviously the older GoPros. Yeah. So I have a laptop, so, you know, I can't just throw an SD card directly into my laptop. It's a Lenovo, you know, i7 yoga, whatever. It was like at the time when I bought it, it was like the top of the line at Best Buy for the i7 laptop, you know, 15, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, uh, but man, I just have had no luck with the GoPro, <laughs> at least because I, I am not technologically advanced. Like that's why I run my entire business from my phone. And if you, mm -hmm. if you asked me about any technology, like what a good microphone is to use or anything like that, I say, ask Harry tornado. Cause <laughs> I don't, I don't know anything about technology. I feel like I'm so far in the stone age that like I'm catching up by watching TikToks or, you know, mm -hmm. other people on Instagram about what's, what's popping. You know, I don't use Apple watches or, you know, Apple pens and all these fancy things. I just, I'm more of a simpleton. So I've always just used my phone and said, well, if this will work for videos, I'll make videos. And if I can get to a place where I can hire somebody to record me or make edit videos for me, then I'll upgrade because I'd have to upgrade my, my computer and like take a big step. And so I'm just yeah. not at that place. It's definitely yet an anymore. investment for sure. Like um, I, I, it, for anybody listening, if, you, if anybody needs a computer, please contact Eric, the college picker on Instagram. He hooked me up with a great deal on computer. Very, 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 very nice computer for super cheap. Basically the same price as like a, a basic, you know, HP laptop at Best Buy, you know, Black Friday deal. Um, but this was, this thing is a powerhouse and it uh, just does a really good job for, with editing. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think an upgrade in, in equipment for you would be the next best move. I mean, it, it'll be an investment, especially if you need a, a computer and a, and a camera. The GoPro 5 is just, it's an older GoPro. That's just what the batteries are going to do. Um, even with my seven, you know, a full day of garage sales, like, you know, 6 a.m. to noon, that's going to be three batteries probably. Sheesh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but most of them, like, you, you're going to need, like, it comes with one. I usually get, like, a two-pack as well. But that's just as part of part of GoPros. Maybe um, that'll be that, my Christmas present to myself. I'll buy a GoPro yeah. for Christmas, and then I'll give one away or, I don't know, something like that. Yeah. Joey, you've got you've got a GoPro, right? Yeah, I use the GoPro 7. The Hero Seven, nice. Yeah, I really like new, it. Uh, you got the tripod holder that you bought from me. Yeah, I I think that was the best investment. I spent like fifteen bucks, free shipping. I was like, let's go, baby. I use that yeah. every every time I film, and I always think about you. I'm like, I got this from Josh, my favorite YouTuber in the whole entire world. <laughs> I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> what uh, do you are you editing on your phone or do you edit on a computer? I I edit on iMovie on the iPhone. Um. It's just, 
it's it's very simple and there's not a lot to it but if you really dig deep into iMovie and like you can do a lot of things like I've just yeah. I just did a video and I'm putting in music and like I'm trying to do like little sound effects I'm trying to make it like a not a real professional video but like like a little bit better than what I'm trying to do and it's just hard for me because like I can't see the sound bar on iMovie mm-hmm. on my phone and I I try to cut it like right where you go like you told me and you told like your YouTube on your YouTube video you were just like when you breathe in like like that like you should cut it right there and then then play it you know but mm-hmm. I I just I need to upgrade too I I I I want to I'm just really scared of going on the computer because it's really i'm very slow on the computer if i go on my phone i could edit it Dude, you know good but i thought that same thing like i edited it on my phone see editing on my phone was a little bit better because i have the note 9 um so it's got a huge screen it has like the stylus with it so mm-hmm. it's like i don't have to use my fingers and it worked and i was i've made like i don't know i've probably made 50 videos or so with my with my new editing software so i made about 200 videos just editing on my phone i probably got to 30,000 subscribers with my phone. And I was just prepared to do that for the rest of my life. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, this is great. You know, it works for me. And I didn't realize I, I finally took the chance. You know, I got power director started cause I was like, I have this really nice computer that has like an I seven processor and a graphics card and all this stuff. Like it's made for, it's made for VR gaming. So obviously it's can handle editing a YouTube video. Um, and, and ever since I moved to that, it's so much easier. Like I can see all the sound and I can make tighter, much tighter adjustments to my videos than I could on my phone. See, like I want and, that. I really want yeah. that because it'll make it look so much better, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's easier. It's easier and it's faster. Like I thought the phone was easy. The phone is cool because you can like edit while you're laying in bed or that's you know, what I love about it or something. <laughs> yeah. Joey, but, Joey loves his bed. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. It, I mean, obviously, it, I mean, it has pros and cons. You know, if you get to a laptop editor, like you need a, a nice laptop. You can't get some, you know, $200 laptop to, and expect it to edit videos fast. That's just not going to happen. Um, my laptop, or the retail in this one was like $2,000. But again, I got it from College Picker for 500 bucks. He bought it like broken at a pawn shop. It like wouldn't turn on and he just like reinstalled the software and it's fine now. So he sold me 500 bucks. He's a genius. And, uh, he is, dude. Like. That's that's the thing. Like he has that skill set of like being able to repair stuff that other people don't want to get into. Like he'll resolder chips and stuff in computers and PlayStations and Xboxes and sell them on Amazon. He'll he'll go to pawn 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 shops and you know just buy all the broken stuff they have, like all the stuff that's stolen and iCloud locked and all that stuff. He'll fix it and sell it on Amazon. What's funny is the pawn shop people should be the people that know how to do that because yeah. that's how they get stuff so cheap. And then they get it and they're like, oh, shoot, we gave this guy 100 bucks for something that's locked and we can't open it. Let's sell it to Eric for $15 and take a loss today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, most of the stuff there, I guess, a bit has been there for a while because he'll have computers with like, you know, $250 price tags on there. He's like, got this for, like you said, 15 bucks. I'm like, how long has that thing been there for them to? go from 250 to 15 you know it's crazy <laughs> very crazy for sure i i never understand pawn shops because i want to say pawn stars after you almost said yeah. it um <laughs> i don't understand pawn shops because i've i've rarely found good stuff to resell 
every once in a while you can find like at least for me a ti-84 calc graphing calculator for you know 20 bucks that you can flip for 60 pretty quickly you know certain things like that i always look at pawn shops for but for the most part their shoes are they're asking more money for pawn shoes than you can sell them for sell them on ebay for you know like mm -hmm. a pair of jordan fours they want like 280 dollars and i'm going who the heck is walking into a pawn shop looking for jordan for pure monies size 13 you know yeah. in this x condition and they're going to pay 280 dollars to a pawn shop for them and so i haven't found a whole lot of money to be made in in pawn shops but the fact that people like eric do it always give me hope that I need to make sure that I'm still constantly checking them out from time to time. It makes me want to open a pawn shop. Like <laughs> I, I don't think I, I would never own a pawn shop because I don't like I'm a Christian and yeah, definitely it's not bad to make a profit, but most pawn shops make all their money from loaning, loaning out money and then charging ridiculous interest to basically poor people. Like the people that are going to go pawn their, their stuff at a pawn shop or usually can't get a loan at a bank and they have to resort to a pawn shop to, you know, eat that month. Yeah. Um, it would just be weird taking advantage of people in that situation. But I, I wish I had a way to contact these people. I remember one time I, I like to think of GameStop as a pawn shop. This one time I was in line buying a game or something. And this kid had like an iPod touch, like the first generation iPod touch. This was maybe three years ago. Um, and he was wanting to trade it into GameStop and they offered him $8 for it. I'm like, dude, I'll give you 20 like right now. Like I didn't say that, but in my head I was like, dude, it's an iPod touch. Like yeah. I get it. It's the first generation, but I'm like, geez, Louise, like, and I just want to find these people going into pawn shops to like sell their stuff. Cause you know, they're not getting anything for it. You know, that's, I, I, I used to be in a pretty tough situation in life and I had to pawn, I, I've got a Taylor guitar that I got, um, for like my 18th birthday, 18th or 19th birthday. It's like a thousand dollar guitar. And, uh, I was short on rent one, rent one month, so I had to go pawn it. And they gave me like 150 bucks for it um, as like a pawn. So like you, they give me $150, they take the guitar, and then I repay them. It was like 180 bucks, so like $30 fee, and then I get the, the guitar back. Um, but some people like straight up sell stuff. They're like, you know, how much can I sell this for? And they're like, $1,000 guitar, we'll give you 200 bucks for it, you know? not, not like, even Man. sometimes yeah not even i'm like just come to me i'll pay you a fair price that way you know you don't have to give away your the only valuable thing in your life for pennies and you know i can help you out and still make a little bit of profit for myself so, yeah i think I, I think the the idea is good but the headaches of the type of people that you deal with usually who like you said come in when they're like desperate for money or they need to pay their end of the month bills and then they say they'll be back and then you know, they ask for mm -hmm. an extension and, you know, all those kinds of things. Because um, I've talked to a couple of pawn shop owners or managers when I've walked in, you know, when I say, well, hey, this thing says it's going to go down to $25 at the end of the month, you know, and it's four or five days away. It's like, would you do the $25 today? And they're like, well, I'm sorry if they come back in the next four to five days, I'm obligated to hold it for 60 days, blah, blah, blah. So um, there are some things that just to me, like the pawn shop, stuff seems really sketchy uh but yeah. i don't understand why people don't just for example put it on offer up or facebook marketplace unless it's just because their mentality is not there it's the same mm -hmm. reason why i guess people buy stuff on ebay because they don't think oh i need to go to a thrift store and see if i can find one myself they just want the convenience of the money or the convenience of the item so people go to the pawn shops for the convenience of knowing i can bring in a 
sterling silver necklace and walk out with $25 because I, you know, need to pay my light bill or whatever. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely an interesting strategy, but I would love to be able to, because I did it. I'll actually, I actually kind of at one point was somewhat of a pawn shop. I guess you could say when I owned my scooter business, my scooter motorcycle shop, I didn't pawn scooters, but people would come in and want me to want me to buy their scooters from them. Let's say they graduated college, they weren't using it anymore, or they needed money. They were upgrading from a scooter to a car because they got a job, whatever. And most of the time I was in the pawn shop situation. I'm like, listen, I get new scooters so cheap from the manufacturer that it really doesn't benefit me to buy your used scooter for $300 to sell it for $500 because I'm paying $380 for a new one that I'm selling for $800. You know, so I'm like, no offense, but I'll give you like 50 bucks for it, you know? And most of the time yeah. people are like, are you kidding me? I'll, I could sell yeah. it myself for 300 and I say, well, then go sell it yourself. Not, not I don't yeah. say it like that to them, but I say like, unfortunately, I just I just can't justify the margins to, to make $100 on a used scooter because I'm going to have to fix it, clean it up, put new tires on it, whatever it needed. And I say, I can just order a brand new one in the crate for a little bit more. I don't tell them what I pay. I can order one for a little bit more and then resell it for more money than what I would sell your used one for with no yeah. problems, no mechanical issues or anything like that. And most of the time they always came back to me because they wanted the quick cash and they're like, I don't want to do it, but I'd rather have the $50 right now and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. And I made a lot of profit doing that because people were essentially desperate, desperate for money or, you know, wanted to be done with the scooter. It had too many problems. They didn't want to fix it anymore. I mean, I had a couple of times where people were like, can I just leave it here? <laughs> and I'm like, well, well, sure, but don't come, don't come back for it because once you leave it here, I own the property and they would sign the title to me just because they didn't want to pay to fix it, you know? And then in those situations I would fix it and I'd sell it and I'd make a lot of profit on it, Yeah, you know, but it just always blew my mind. Good. The type of people that walked through the door in those situations. So you're just a scummy old scooter shop owner. Scooter boy. Stealing people. I'm just stealing a, poor people's scooters. What's what's the what's the name that that one guy called you on YouTube? Fat nerd. No, there was, there was another one. No, the other there was one. Another one. <laughs> what was the other one? I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look at our group chat, but it was something something. What was the like, one that the, the guy called you? Maybe. I don't. I can't remember what it is now. I'm having a brain fart, but. Man, it, was like, it was something along the lines of like fat nerd or, you know, I don't fruit, know. Oh, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it wasn't um, like vulgar. Corn it was ball. just like, um, corn ball. Corn ball. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it's just a, corn it's ball. a scummy corn ball. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, desperation plays a huge part in like really the, just the demise of poor people in our country. Um, like generational poverty is, it's so hard to get yourself out of because when you're raised in a mindset like that, like anytime you drive through like a poor part of town and there's just like title loan places and check cashing places and those, those businesses just prey on poor people. And yeah. it's, it's not fair, dude. Like I, I actually went another part of my life and I was like really down and down in the dumps financially. I went to a payday loan place. And I'm so glad I didn't actually get approved for it. I had to like, I don't remember what happened. They needed like to talk to my boss or something to verify my income and my boss wasn't at work. So I just left. Um, but I mean, people go in there and get a $500 loan at 200% interest. 
and then they just pay the minimum payment for like a year. And then they're like, they're just stuck in it. And then another company's like, oh, well, we'll buy you out of the other loan and give you a thousand dollars. And they're like, okay, we'll do that. And then they end up owing like $15,000 by the time it's over with at 250% interest. And they're never going to get out of that loan because they can't afford to pay anything other than the minimum payment. Yeah, that's I remember exactly one how I went, that is. Debt just gets worse and worse for for most people. Yeah, and they, they especially just, that kind of debt. Like, yeah. And, and there's no laws. I think there's laws if you're military, like if you're active or a veteran, I don't, I think there's a limit to how much interest you can be charged on a loan. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, there's literally no law about the amount, they can charge you a thousand percent interest and it's totally legal as long as you sign the contract and people get in a desperate, desperate enough situation, they'll sign anything, you know, yeah. anything to get a thousand dollars to feed their kids. I just yeah. hate it, man. Like, I know, do, do you guys have a, uh, a Liberty tax? Like place yeah. that ever. Yes. I got my taxes done there before when I, again, I, like I, I used to be so dumb and poor, man. It's, it's just crazy. But, uh, they're advertising the same, like, let us do your taxes and we'll give you $50 cash. And, and of course they were like in the poor part of town where I lived at the time. I'm like, Hey, $50 cash. That sounds pretty good. Cause that's like two shifts at the KFC that I was working at at the time, you know? Right. So I went and I didn't know anything. They were just like, bring your, your, w2 or whatever it's called and we'll file your taxes and give you 50 bucks and it turns out that they would give you 50 dollars in cash but they would also charge you like 400 dollars to file your 1040 easy tax return like just your basic tax return and it, basically it was just minimum wage workers that were filling out your information for you on TurboTax, and they'd give you 50 dollars in cash and charge you 400 but they would take the money out of your return and they wouldn't tell you. They're like, oh, great, you're getting back $1,200. And you're like, okay, cool. So I get the $50 in cash now and then $1,200 later. And they're like, yep. But then they don't tell you that you would actually get back $1,600 before their wow. tax preparation fee. Sheesh. And then sometimes they take it a step further. And they're like, would you like to wait two weeks for your $1,200? Or would you like to take $800 right now in cash? <laughs> and of course, poor people are like, yeah, I'll take the $800. I got $800 now plus the $50. I got $850 in cash. But the check, but the tax preparation people end up making you know eight hundred dollars literally clicking a few buttons and filling out poor people's 1040 easy tax return that's so sad and there's a line out the freaking door every april man like people love it yeah and i just god it drives me nuts it's just a you know little we're, bit of we're, we're, we're the scammers uh, us ebay sellers are the real scammers yeah <laughs> stealing clothes from poor that's another thing dude i can talk about this forever so you're talking about poor people buying at thrift stores if i were if i were poor you know like needing clothes for my family and stuff why why i, I feel like you could just go to like marshall's like marshall's or like plato's closet where stuff is cleaned and like pretty decently priced you can get name brand stuff in your size for just slightly more than thrift store prices you can go to marshall's and get a brand new pair of nikes or adidas for 25 30 bucks like it's not it's like you know sometimes more than half off retail and just slightly more than thrift store getting used shoes that you know are dirty and hard to find your exact size i don't know yeah it's it's all it's all about perspective and and lifestyle i think and when you have people that live a lifestyle where you know they eat out every day. They don't buy groceries and they don't cook. You know, they're not trying to save money. They have a nice car, but they have a car payment. You know, on the outside, they could be looking good, but on the inside, they could be living paycheck to paycheck, even though they're making 
60, 70 grand a year or a hundred grand a year, doesn't matter. And those things are kind of what drives our society when some people are, like I said earlier, trying to fit in with the Joneses essentially. And then you have other people that are, you know, live a more, um, what's the word? Not basic, but they live below their means, you could say. And it, it just it just blows my mind that people, you know, will buy a $200 hoodie because they saw Travis Scott wear it. I'm just reusing that example to reiterate it. But, you know, because they want to be accepted by other people and they think that wearing this $200 hoodie is what's going to get them accepted. And mm-hmm. it's just it's just really crazy. We could talk about this stuff for hours, just the psychology of people who will pay like I'll go buy something from um I bought this polo Ralph Lauren all over print button down shirt from Marshalls for 29.99 and it was a rare like sailing gear crazy colorway and I sold it for $150 for the shirt and I'm thinking to myself I had a hard time paying $29 for it to resell it and someone was glad to pay $150 for one button down shirt and you know, I didn't force that person to buy it or anything like that, but just the how so, things, certain things are important to other people, you know, just like not in a bad way, but Joey's dream car is a Tesla, you know, so he got himself a Tesla. He worked hard for it. He put a huge down payment on it. I think he did it the right way for the most part, um, you know, but that's his thing is his Tesla, you know, for the, for whatever other personal things Joey wants to talk about with his finances and his life, that's his decision to discuss, but you know, he drives a Tesla and he enjoys it. Josh just upgraded from his, you know, beaten down, run down, you know, <laughs> breaking, falling apart truck to it's, it's so funny. Both we came back from Universal Studios and both of the front tires were flat. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh I was like, I need to pump up the tires. I got a bunch of trash in the back. Take the trash to the dump and then I'm gonna sell it. You work yeah. so hard, but but Josh, you you work so hard to get your forerunner. I just want you to understand that you worked very very hard to get that. Like, yeah, like I, we, I mean, it's like I came to when me and Drew came to your house. I was like, I was like, wow, like I know Josh can buy like a new car, you know, even if it's like a 2010, you know, whatever it is. I'm like, I didn't anything's want, better than this rust right? bucket he's like, driving us around in. <laughs> I was like, come on, man, but you know, you you. You did it the right way. And I, I wish I did it the same way too. I had a Fiat 500 before I had my um, my Tesla. And I wish I could have just through, like I only had 6,000 or, or it was like 5,000 more down on my Fiat. I wish I could have threw down $5,000 and then just saved the rest. And then literally almost bought my car in, in cash. I mean, I put mm-hmm. half, I put half it down on my car. And, you know, just thinking about it, thinking about it smart, you know, I wish I could have done that, but you know, you did it the right way. You know, I think so. I mean, it's, I don't know. I, th- I think sometimes we're getting over an hour here, but we'll, we'll wrap it up in a couple minutes. So, you know, the Dave Ramsey approach is always pay a hundred percent cash for cars, never have a car payment, blah, blah, blah. And I, I personally don't think that that's necessary. I just think you need to be careful not to put yourself in a situation where your car payment is going to be a significant portion of your take home pay. Like if you make $2,000 a month, you don't need a $500 a month car payment because that only leaves you $1,500 a month for insurance and rent and food, you know, but for, for the forerunner, we put $10,000 down on that. 
and it was like 26,000. So we got 16,000, um, you know, finance and the payments like 280 a month or something. You know, that's, that's a very reasonable car payment, like saving up the extra 16,000, um, and, and paying it in cash wouldn't have moved the needle, the needle for us, you know, that the monthly payment isn't really a factor for us right now. Um, and yeah, I'd much rather have that money in savings right now than, than, you know, not, I'd rather, rather have $16,000 in savings than not have a $280 month car payment. Um, you know, again, it's just, you gotta be careful. Like, I don't think a car payment is always bad. Um, it's just about what percentage of your take-home pay is that car payment. I know a lot of people that are making, you know, $20,000 a year working at Target or Walmart or, you know, some retail job like that. And they've got a $400 a month car payment. And yeah, I don't know that new car smell wears off real quick, mm-hmm. right? Usually right about the second car payment. <laughs> That's <laughs> when you realize that it doesn't smell that good. And it's just a car. <laughs> and it's just a car, you know, nobody. And they're buying cars that aren't even, I don't know. This one lady called Dave Ramsey and she had like a, I don't know, like a 2011 Ford Focus that was like having so many mechanical issues and she hated it so much and blah, blah, blah. She took it to the dealership and they said it was going to be $5,000 to fix it. So she just bought a 2015 Ford Focus. I'm like, stop buying these dumb cars. Like <laughs> Kia Souls. I, I hate Kia Souls so much. <laughs> They're just, I don't know. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, if you have to, if you're in a situation where you have to take a payment out to buy a car, you need to research a car's brand history and like see like the Ford Fiesta. I had a Ford Fiesta. It was a terrible car. I had so many issues with that. The resale value was nothing. Like I'm pretty sure there was a class action lawsuit about lawsuit about it. It was basically a lemon. The same with the Ford Focus, you know, the same with a lot of the Kias. The Kias are just cheap cars to begin with. I mean, if you if, if you're in a situation where you have to get a car, you can look at um, what is it? Consumer Reports and find the ratings for your cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think the cheapest, most reliable car is probably like a Honda Fit. You know, I don't really like the way they look, but you can get them brand new for like seventeen, eighteen thousand, I think. Um, and it's a Honda. You know, it's going to be reliable. It's not going to give you all these issues. The last thing you need, like if you're making twenty, twenty five thousand dollars a year, and you get a twenty twenty Ford Focus or whatever for twenty two thousand dollars, and you know it starts giving you troubles, well. If you would have just looked at the reviews of Ford Focuses, you would see that they're like notoriously just filled with all these sorts of issues. Um, whereas, you know, something like a Honda Fit may not be as pretty, but it's slightly cheaper and much more reliable. Yeah. So I don't know. Two, two points. And then uh, if you guys are good, we can we can wrap up and just wanted to say real quick, thank you to everybody who, who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate you guys. We hope that we bring some value to you. But uh, as far as the Honda is concerned, you know, I'm, I'm right there with you guys or with you, Josh, for example, Joey knows my Honda car. Like he's been in it. Basically (laughs) my, I have a 2003 Honda civic. It's like a maroon burgundy color. The paint is peeling on one side, but so, you know, on the outside, it looks like trash for the most part, but it's only got 55,000 original miles and it's got a great engine. And I know if I take care of that car, it'll last me 250, 300,000 miles. And mm-hmm. what am I realistically doing with my car? I'm driving to thrift stores and garage sales. So I don't really need much else. Maybe having a bigger trunk space for bigger hauls would be great. But I'm pretty content with my car for the most part. And considering it has such low mileage, gets good get good gas mileage, all the features are there. 
It's like, how can I get rid of this car when I know it's going to last me another five to 10 years if I take care of it well, and I have no payment on it, you know, and I, I paid like $1,500 for it. It was a steal. So mm-hmm. I bought it when it had 39,000 original miles on it from the original owner. Um, it's crazy. So, you know, you live below your means, like what Dave Ramsey says, you live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. And one day all three of us will be driving triple thrift Lambos. I don't know, <laughs> but you know, but going back to the Dave Ramsey thing, and this will be my final point was I was listening to his show one time and this dude called in and, you know, he goes through his intro and he says, you know, what's up? What can I help you with? And the kid says, well, I'm, uh, I'm, it was either 14, 15 or 16. Let's just go with 14. Cause it makes the story better. He's like, I'm 14 years old. And, um, I, my mom doesn't know how much money I make because I started drop shipping online I found a YouTube video and started drop shipping online, made a, made a Shopify uh, website and started drop shipping stuff from AliExpress. And I make a lot of money and I don't know what to do with it. And Dave Ramsey's like, well, how much do you have brother? Uh, and the kids, the kids like, well, about $400,000. <laughs> and, and Dave Ramsey's like, had no idea. Dave Ramsey's like, you're joking, right? Is this a, you know, he started getting mad cause he thought it was a prank call. And he was like, don't call into my show if you're, you know, you know, trying to prank call and stuff like that. And the kid's like, no, I'm serious. I literally have 400,000 in my bank. I dro- I'm a drop shipper. And, and Dave Ramsey didn't even know what that was. And he's like, are you scamming people? And he goes, no, I just find stuff from a Chinese website. I make my own Shopify store and I run ads on Facebook and Instagram and people go buy the product for more than what I pay for it. And... Um, you know, you don't have any inventory with drop shipping and Josh and I and Joey have all talked about how drop shipping is extremely hard to do. It takes a lot of Facebook ads. It takes a lot of effort, trial and error, blah, blah, blah. I don't recommend it, but this kid found a winning product and was able to make it work. And, uh, he was like, my mom doesn't know about it. I'm scared to tell her how much money I have. Cause she's going to think I'm a drug addict, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, um, it was just interesting to see, you know, some kid who was successful and even Dave Ramsey didn't know what to tell him what to do with the money because he was so caught off guard. He's like, well, I guess you could basically take my job because you're obviously doing something right. You know, mm-hmm. and he just told the kid, like, keep doing what you're doing. If it's legal, tell your mom about it and you need to go see a financial advisor and start putting some of that money away, you know, and the kid's like, I don't have nice, I don't buy nice things. I don't drive a nice car. I barely even have my license or, you know, whatever the situation was. Yeah. You know, and he was a very responsible kid. Obviously, he is very smart to make that kind of money. But, you know, even Dave Ramsey was caught off guard and was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I just thought it was really interesting that, you know, yeah. even even one of the, the world's best, you know, you know, gurus for getting out of debt, you know, was caught off guard by somebody who made a lot of money. And, you know, you just have to, you know, budget your money, live below your means and then live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. That's my final advice. There you go. And can I say, Joey. can I just say one more thing and can I sign off too? Absolutely. All right. So, um, a, a lot of things have been going around with me. Um, and I haven't, I haven't been feeling down lately, but I just want to let everyone know if you guys are down in the reselling community or you feel alone or anything. Um, I just want to say, if you ever feel down, and you know you're just not you're just down in the dumps i just want you guys to look at all the things that you guys have and look at the family that you have and friends and and everything and just 
you know, just take a deep breath and just push forward. Um, because sometimes in life, you know, like for me right now, I just, I'm working my full time nine to five job and I really want to be a full time, you know, eBay reseller and YouTuber is just, you know, take a deep breath, you know, just enjoy life and just push forward. Um, that's, that's basically what I wanted to say (laughs) to everybody. Um, let's go baby. (laughs) So that's going to be it for the, the, (laughs) what'd you say? I said, Joe is such a motivational speaker. I, I, I really want to in the future. Like I want to build maybe another YouTube channel or kind of just keep this like my motivational eBay reselling thing. But, mm-hmm. um, but everybody, I just really appreciate you guys listening on to the triple thrift podcast. If you haven't checked out our other five episodes, go check them out. And, um, I hope you guys have a great day, night, wherever you guys are. And, um, we'll see you guys next time on episode seven. <laughs>